book club day and we read where you go is not who you'll be. And uh, Kirsten said it best. The title is what the book is about. It is a very data and fact heavy book about um, colleges and the misconceptions about what colleges are, quote, the best and what colleges are, are the, and he kind of factually describes what colleges are the best for different reasons. And that there are so many reasons that this list of best may not even apply to your family, depending on what your kids want to do or who they are. It's a really great book for debunking this mystery that there's only a handful of good schools. It's a great book for, for, people who are kind of swimming in the stream of my kid has to get into the best college to kind of pause and say the word best is relative. It depends on who your kid is and what their goals are and what your family's goals are. Um, It's kind of a reality check. I guess that's the best way to say it. Uh, It was a great book. It was easy to read. It is fact and data heavy. So sometimes my brain was like, eh, blah, 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 data, 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 data. But that's not to say it wasn't a bad book. It was a, it was a good book. And I think it's a really good book for anybody who's starting, uh, the process of getting their kid into college. Uh, it's a great reality check book. So highly recommend it. We have a good discussion about, uh, the book and about our kids going to college and Kirsten's just starting the process of college applications. So, um, yeah, and it's always great to chat with those two ladies. Um, it's always good to hear what they say about a book. Okay, next book hub book is called For You When I Am Gone, 12 Essential Questions to Tell a Life Story. And it's by Stephen Leder or Leder, L-E-D-E-R, uh, For You When I Am Gone. Uh, Kirsten found this book, and it's basically a book, as she described it, that... Um, challenges you to evaluate your value system and to put some stories in writing for your family or whomever for after you have passed away, something that you can leave to them. Um, Obviously, I'm not planning on passing away anytime soon. I'm only 52, but I thought it would be a great exercise. And we've never read a book that was kind of like a workbook also, even though this isn't a, a an actual workbook, you have to do homework. So we've never read a book like that. So we may take a little longer on this book club because this might be a little harder. The fall is very busy for all three of us. So we'll see how that goes. But yes, for for you when I am gone, 12 essential questions to tell a life story. So if you are inclined, you can um, join us in that process and then listen to the book club when we're ready to, to share. So thank you for coming back every week. Thank you for your emails, for your DMs, for your comments. I appreciate all of them. Keep them coming. Thank you for your podcast episode suggestions. I love getting those. And um, yeah, thank you for, I haven't had a sponsor in a little while, but thank you when I do have a sponsor for clicking and for participating because that's that's why they're here. So thanks for that. And I hope you enjoy this episode with me and Kathy and Kirsten at Book Club. Where you go is not who you'll be. I rode my bicycle past your window last night. I roller skated to your door at daylight. It almost seems like you're avoiding me. I'm okay alone. 
I do not have shoes on today. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Is that rude and I love that you don't have shoes on. But I, you never not. <laughs> totally you never called you out. Don't You're wear like, shoes. Bad. What happened? Did you step in shit in my yard? I did not. Okay. You were on the phone when I walked in, and I just said to Kathy, "Is this really rude and unprofessional of me to <laughs> no. not wear shoes?" No, it's not. And it is right up my <laughs> alley. Like whispering while you were on the phone, and you just totally like threw her <laughs> under the bus. That's so funny. I looked and I went, "Look at her cute little feet. Why is she not wearing shoes?" I never wear shoes ever. I make myself wear shoes to this. I never wear shoes ever. And then I was I'm wearing those like. Um, high like wedge Dr. Scholl's like uh-huh. the wood ones so they're really like clunky clomp 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 and I just thought like it's sort of a lot of work to keep them on my feet yeah <laughs> do you know what I mean like yeah. they just want to clomp and I'm like I was just conscious of sound and I thought oh it's probably better if I just creep <laughs> in here funny. with bare feet and now you've called me out <laughs> you can have bare feet anytime but you have this fabulous um table that is Hopefully, I was looking at your feet, but I see them. There's no foot fetish available for photographs. No foot fetish people. Sorry to disappoint. One of my teenagers um, got a foot fetish comment. Oh, yeah. At school. Um, really? Yes. From, uh. from a teenage boy. And she was like, what is wrong with him? Like, <laughs> just disgusted and i was like well some people are into that it's even better i pick Isla up from school the other day she had an early out so i pick her up when she gets out early she doesn't need to stay and talk to a teacher or take a test and so uh, she goes i think i have i can't even believe this kid she goes i think i have a career path for me i think as, as soon as i graduate high school i'm gonna start an only fans page for my feet <laughs> And I went, what? She was like, because that's not really porn for me. I mean, it's just my feet. I mean, anybody can see my feet, but I think I'd make a lot of money with my feet. And I was like, I don't actually know how to respond to that. It's not porn. It's on a predominantly porn site, but it's not porn. So the people, but then you think the people looking at your feet probably are ne'er-do-wells. So how do you get behind that plan, but I don't even know how to respond. <laughs> She's like rocking her feet is also hysterical. Like the best feature is her feet. <laughs> She's so funny. I have, I have a career path plan. I have wow. a plan. So I think I could make a lot of money. I was like, so you're going to be an influencer with your feet. That's what influencer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that kid is never dull. I just never... I mean, her last career path in December, you might remember, she was going to be either a zookeeper because they work pretty low hours in her brain because the zoo closes at four. <laughs> and, right? Zookeepers are there at like four in the morning till, you know, a bartender, also short hours. She's a night owl, works for her. Or trophy wife. <laughs> Because they don't do anything except just super short hours. Hey, you're a trophy wife and you're really busy, right? I was like, I don't think you know what a trophy wife is. And she goes, oh, you just marry someone with a lot of money and you don't have to do anything. And I was like, that's that's not that's yeah, incorrect. That's an incorrect. I don't really know what a trophy wife does, but I would imagine they at least have to keep up their looks, you know, as a trophy wife. Um, you have to stay really pretty. A lot of exercise. Yeah. A lot of exercise, a lot of Botox, a lot of hair. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Right. The whole thing. So funny. But now she's pivoted. Only fans for feet. Okay. I mean, (laughs) 
It's an interesting How do you argue that? How do you argue that? (laughs) Right? So I didn't even need to read this book for her. Right. not on the table. She doesn't need it. She does not need it. She's got a plan. I love that she's thinking about a plan. She also, she, in addition to that, talked to me about getting a job next year, like a legit job. And I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, I, that she's like, maybe in like an ice cream shop or something simple like that. And she, our kitchen designer offered to have her intern this past summer. And she was like, do you think she'd still let me intern next summer? And I said, yeah, I'm sure she would. So she's like, maybe I'll intern for her for two weeks and then I'll get a job. And I was like, okay. And I'll have an OnlyFans page <laughs> for my feet. Uh, anyway, uh, what do you think about this book, oh, ladies? Funny. Where you go is not who you'll be. I think you title... have a lot of post-its. Well, I, I highlighted a lot. Yeah, I mean, yeah. A lot of post-its. Um, I feel like the title tells you exactly what it is about. Yes. Mm-hmm. And also you could, you could skip reading the book and just read that and really like read that title, where you go is not who you'll be and meditate upon that <laughs> and come move to the forward. same conclusion. Yeah. yeah move forward. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, he's got tons and tons of data in here, which made it at times hard to get through for me mm-hmm. just because I'm. I have trouble with numbers, so I would just get tripped up and, oh, wow, that's a lot of percentages and a lot of, (laughs) a lot of numbers. And, um, but yeah, that's, I mean, the thesis, he's, he's stated exactly what this book is about. Mm -hmm. And I think he makes a strong argument. I agree. Agreed. Agree. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I didn't reread this the second time I read it about a year ago. And um, I highlighted a ton because I read it digitally. Um, so I printed a lot of my note, a lot of the stuff I highlighted. Um, so this time I sort of went back and just skimmed my notes. Um, and so I didn't read it as thoroughly the second time, clearly. Um, but the first time I felt like, for me, it was very validating because I felt like I was very much like, screaming into the wind. I was the only person who felt this way. Um, so felt for this me, way, meaning what felt this way that this end all be all college journey is not that not every kid needs to go to an Ivy league. Not every kid needs the name attached to the school. Right. Like that's not even appropriate for my, either of my kids, quite frankly. Money so, Same. and yet we're in this like rat race where like, in sophomore year, you should be taking AP classes. You have to do this to, for your college resume. You should be in Girl Scouts for 10 years to get on your college resume. And I'm like, who fucking dares? Yeah. Um, but I do feel like I scream into the void sometimes. I feel very alone in that thought process when I go to like school events and you hear all this other, all these other parents and all this external stuff. And my kids are hearing that. And my son in particular completely was a hundred percent like I need a name school to go to, or I'm nothing. And I'm like, wow, that is it's not, not actually our household right, at right. all. And yet this is what you're walking away from. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what we were talking about earlier, where the anxiety of it's like the loudest players, which are generally other parents who are anxious about it. So it's really the loudest of this certain, like, your kids both go to private schools. My kids don't go to private school, but we still like our community in our community. There are a lot of like sort of high achiever driven parents who are very high achieving community. Yes. Who are driving that, 
But then I, I was blaming our community. But then I see what my niece, who is also, um, uh, she's a senior, and her community and other communities in other places. And there's so much of that because yeah. just in, in our consciousness, it's like, Oh, Harvard, Yale, like yeah. Stanford. Ah, like, yeah. and you, it's hard to not absorb that. Um, I think it is hard mm-hmm. not to absorb that. Even my little small hometown high school offers a ton of AP classes. And the goal, as I observe it from the few people I know who have kids my age who are either in or just graduated from high school, they're in AP classes a sophomore year also in mm-hmm. rural Georgia yeah. where you go, uh, that's, that's amazing if that's how your kid is wired and your kid is driven to do that. There's nothing wrong with that if your kid's driven to do that. You know, Georgia had so many friends who love learning and like really digging into those AP classes. Um, but I think the pressure to be that is the problem. And there's no acceptance that you just want to be freaking 15 and 15 when we were 15 in the context of education was very different. Mm -hmm. I didn't even like think about college until spring, my senior year, spring, my senior year, my college counselor said, where are you going to college? And I went, well, I don't know. I hadn't really thought about going to college and I had thought about my future at all. I just was thinking about the prom. (laughs) <laughs> like I'm all about prom. I'm on prom committee. I'm I'm like head cheerleader. I got shit going on here. I didn't think about college. And she goes, well, you know, your SAT was, you know, decent, decent SAT scores. So why don't you just apply to West Georgia College, which was, you know, you know, now it's a university, but it was a nice size college that was about 20 minutes from my house. And I was like, well, okay, I'll apply and see if I get in. It was that much not in my wheelhouse. And I think maybe that wasn't the norm, but I don't think it was, I don't think, I think the energy of that was right. I was in the present moment Mm -hmm. until it was time, just a few months ahead of time to start making plans. And then I applied, I got in, I went there, it was no big deal. And then after that, I think there was only one kid in my class. I may be wrong, but I think there's only one kid who was like, I want to be an engineer. I'm going to Georgia Tech. Everybody else was like, I don't know, you know, all the way up till the end of senior year. Um, and when all this AP stuff started sophomore year, I asked Georgia about it. I was like, how are you feeling about all this? And Georgia said, you know, I just want to be in high school. I don't want to worry about college in 11th grade. I just want to be in high school. So I'm just going to take whatever I'm supposed to be taking. She's not an AP student. She had one AP class her entire high school was AP environmental science because she absolutely loved that teacher and that subject. So other than that, she was in honors English. Um, I think she might've been in honors math, but only one year. And I mean, her grade point average is 3.7. And guess what? She got into a college. <laughs> she she got into a college, but that was her. For some reason, she chose not to buy into everything that was going on around her. And I don't know why she did that. It's just her personality. Or maybe our culture at home was stronger than that culture for that kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's fucking miserable. And it's for what? I mean, I was getting really angry reading this book because... 
I think I stayed purposefully naive. I thought to myself when this process started, I don't know anything about college. I didn't graduate from college. I just explained my experience of going to college, which was basically effortless. So I couldn't even, I knew this environment existed and I didn't want to know anything about it. So I didn't want to learn about it. I didn't want to, the learning curve was too steep anyway for me to figure out how to get Georgia up and running in this crazy environment. So we hired a counselor, Susie, who was a guest, and I blissfully stayed out of it. And I think Susie has a good balance of like what kids want to run that race and what kids just want to go to college. Like she has a good barometer for, oh, this kid just wants to go to college and here's what she's interested in. So here's where you look. You know, she's the one who told me about this book. And then this kid wants Ivy League, can get in Ivy League. Let's do that. I think. And that's kind of what you should do as a culture. But I mean, what gets left out also in this culture, one of my soapboxes is where are the people that going, you need to go be a plumber. You know, here's your vocational school. And I asked Susie, do you ever do that? And she said, it almost never happens. And it's almost always because of the parents. It's not the kid who doesn't want to go to vocational school. Mm -hmm. It's the parents who won't have it. And I'm like, then that parent should be shackled to the wall <laughs> and waterboarded. I mean, what's wrong with you that you can't see your kid for who your kid is? That parent needs to be a guest on your podcast yeah. and you need to have a conversation with them. Should we line them up one at a time <laughs> yeah. and go, sit down? I think it's hard, though. It is I hard. Do, right? But like, is it hard? It is because my husband and I battle with this. Like my husband was very much like, he should look at this, this, and this school. And I was like, he is not that kid, but it has that name. These were the good schools. I was like, that was the good school 30 fucking years ago when you and I applied. Like <laughs> things have changed in 30 years. Okay. He had a really hard time to step back from that. He absolutely pulled out like whatever US News and World Report. I was like, fucking get that shit out of our house. Like I do not want to read that at all prior to even looking at this book. And he was like, well, this is all the best engineering schools. And I was like, so it's hard. We can waterboard my husband if you would like. But <laughs> I can waterboard him. But you so, can. But, but so it was a challenge yeah. for him to take a moment and to not see the world in that, like, the world is competitive. And I want my kid to be as competitive as possible. Mm -hmm. So if that means he needs to go to X, Y, and Z school, then that's what I'm going to focus on. So you were on different pages, at uh -huh. least in the beginning. Do you feel like you were on different pages throughout? Yeah. For the whole process? For a lot of it. Yes. That's tough. It was fucking awful. That's really awful. tough. Like it was a really awful process. I am not looking forward to this again. Because you didn't have so. a third party we did not have a third party. Our college counselor provided by the school was uh, was not that. They, well, they just were, have too many kids. They well, no. I mean, we're a small private school. There was not too many kids on no. his no. Um, but he was not that. He was very knowledgeable about schools and about this is what you do and this is how you get there and take a look at this place and whatnot. But he was not knowledgeable about our family. Right. He was not super connected to us or Max as a person. Yeah. It was more, it, it was different. It was less personal. Yeah. Um, not that he didn't know us, but it definitely wasn't 
personalized. And not enough, in enough, my opinion. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, it was more what you would expect from a typical college thing. And he provided a great service on a number of levels, but there were things I didn't know we needed that we could have had. Right, right. And that would have been really helpful. Yeah. So. You're about to start this journey, huh, for the first mm-hmm. time. Yes. How are you feeling about it? I'm feeling fine. Good. I'm feeling stressed about the finances. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, uh-huh. I want to get a job and put all of that money um, towards. Yeah. Um, I feel fine about it. Um, honestly, we, um, our daughters go to a small charter school. It is free. It's a free public school, but their charter, a charter school has to have like a a goal that makes mm-hmm. them different. The reason that they're standing out from the local public school. So their charter is college for all. <laughs> so their goal is to get everyone into college and it does not have to be a four-year college. Right. They also right. provide Just secondary insight. education. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, the irony is that my eldest child, we didn't think that college, that she would necessarily be a great candidate for a four-year university mm-hmm. um, just because of her stress levels, mm-hmm. um, her anxiety. We thought, you know what, let's just wait and see what happens. Maybe she'll go to art school. May, you mm-hmm. know, Let's just watch it evolve. But we chose the school, ironically, not for their charter message, but because they have very small class sizes, because um, it's a very sweet school. It had a lot of personal touches that were really, um, that we just thought was a really good fit for her. Right. It has been a great fit for her. And also mm-hmm. because that is their charter message, she's been hearing that since ninth grade. And so even though she said to us, I'm not going to college and we said, that's fine. We're fine with whatever she's absorbed it over the years sure. and she's excited about it. Oh, she's good. actually really excited. Yeah. And her grades have risen dramatically over the years because she's at a small school where she's had more personal attention. And, and she also just sort of just took her a while to care. Like, mm-hmm. um, She's really engaged teachers. So she's actually super into um, college. I think the the thing that we, and we have a great college counselor, like because that's their entire charter. Yeah. And there are only mm-hmm. 63 in her graduating class. So wow. it's one college counselor and her entire job is college counselor. She's separate from the guidance counselor. So mm-hmm. she doesn't um, help them with with that. So um, it, it, she's we've had a lot of personalized attention that is sort of what you're talking about, yeah. like where we met with her in junior year. Well, first we had to send her a letter and really go into yeah. the nuts and bolts of our kid. Yeah. And then she she's gotten to know really all the kids at the school because it's a teeny tiny school. Yeah. <laughs> and because she's giving talks to them since ninth grade. So she has known our daughter since ninth grade. Um, so we're on the same page with the college counselor. She's there because their philosophy is college for all. They're not pushing anyone. She's in fact, actively, she's definitely a proponent of this book. Like she's actively mm-hmm. discouraging from the selective process, unless that is, you know, unless you have that driven kid whose mm-hmm. goal in life has been to go to Harvard and they've been like working on that strategically since birth. Yeah. Um, there are some kids who, you know, that's their path, yeah. but, um, her, her mandate is like, that's not most kids path. Right. And we're on the same page there. I think the interesting thing was that we thought, again, we've like picked these small <laughs> schools for our daughter thinking that was the best thing. And it has been wonderful for her. 
But um, in our spring meeting with the college counselor, she tossed out a lot of options based on our feedback that we thought a small liberal arts college Mm -hmm. was a great fit. Um, Our daughter's really into writing and whatever. We had this curated list on Naviance and I went on Naviance this summer and the list was deleted. (gasps) Why? The college counselor said uh, under no circumstances, do not delete any of this because these are the colleges we've talked about. You don't have to add them to your colleges. I will be applying to, but you know, don't delete these. And I freaked out and I was like, yelled at child. (laughs) It was like, what is happening? And it was actually a very good growth opportunity for our family. Yeah. We all sat down together. Richard and I sat down with her and were at, at first irate. Why did you delete these? She deleted them because none of us were listening to her. Um, we, we saw her at a small liberal arts college and she saw herself at a big, like, football team like a big Mm -hmm. not a you know not necessarily a giant school but like she's seen herself like a state school yeah yeah like a state school like she wanted on a state or or Oregon state or she wants the whole enchilada whether or not she chooses to be in a sorority or attend the football games or whatever that wasn't the point the point is she wanted something that was different than her high school experience right just to have that experience and at first we were like oh that's bad choice for her because, you know, the state schools are sort of a little bit more rigid about curriculum wise. And she has a learning disability and a dyscalculia in for math. So we're like, oh, great. Now she's going to have to take math at these big schools or whatever. But when we really like took a breath and thought about it, we're like, no, this is her experience. <laughs> yeah, She needs yeah. to have her experience. And then it was, it was validated in, in here. He talked about a kid who had a very similar experience um, going to a very, very small high school and choosing the big school again, not necessarily for the football right. games or whatever, but just to be surrounded with something that is different and to like grow socially mm-hmm. in a way that he was unable to. So funny. Max was exactly the same. I was like 100% small liberal arts. This is where you thrive. And not one small school did he want to apply to. They were all larger state schools. And I was like, oh my God, why? Uh, It terrifies me, but that's all he was interested in. He's like, I want something different. Yeah. You know, Isla described to me why. I wonder if this applies to either of your kids. She said the hard part about going from her middle school, which had 1,800 kids in three grades, to her high school, which has 400 kids in four grades, is that you cannot be anonymous. Everybody knows you, every Mm -hmm. teacher, every student in every grade. And she said that is her one complaint about her high school, is that she wants to, she really wanted to go to a high school where she could just Go over here on the side, find her group, and no one notices her. She's under the radar. The hard part, too, with her is she's the younger one in that high school. So she already has, like, (laughs) I know Lily is like, you know, she walked in freshman year, and they're like, oh, you're Max's sister. And she's like, fuck. Yes, same Like, I'm not even a human. I'm like the little sister. You know what I mean? Like, it's a small place. Yeah. And you're already known. You don't have the ability to be you, which of course they do, but it doesn't feel that way. It doesn't feel that way. Yes, for sure. She felt very much in the shadow of her sister. Yeah. But yeah, she said that to me many, many, many times is that it's hard when you're in a small school because you, you, you basically have one group of friends and Isla at her Mm -hmm. middle school had no joke, like three completely separate independent friend groups. She had one 
in a different educational track than hers. Mm -hmm. She had one in her educational track. And then she had one friend group that were P that were just it, random, just like super random, like her PE group. She had this friend group that had kids that were in all different types of tracks that were did She had this great friend group that were just PE kids. Um, and I was like, I hear you. So when same thing, when you're looking into college, she probably will want to go to some big school so she yeah. can find her track and stay over here, but still be part of that bigger. Because, you know, that big middle school has a lot of big stuff happen. Big carnival, yeah. big fair, big graduation, all these big, big, big. But you can still be small in the context of that big. And Susie did say a lot to me about kids with learning uh, differences, mm -hmm. especially when you have an IEP. If you have an IEP, the college is actually... Susie didn't tell me this, but someone else told me this, that their child was trying to get into UCLA of one of those kids that should have, quote, should have gotten into UCLA and didn't. And one of their friends who did not have as good test scores, did not have as good grades, had an IEP and got in because they do have some um, ADA kind of quota that they have to fill. And our kids, if they have an IEP, are ADA. So they, not that you want to use that per se, but it shouldn't rule out any possibilities is my point, is that the kids should apply where they want to, even if they have those learning differences. Because Susie told me um, kids with IEPs in college have a completely different experience of education than in primary school. Um, secondary education handles that in a very mature, very real, realistic way. So all professors, for the most part, are on board with whatever you need. And there's usually a department in every college that just deals with kids who have that IEP, where they get extra support, where they can come to talk to counselors, where they can help kind of strategize their their um, schedules and their plans that meets their needs. And we don't have that. <laughs> that doesn't exist in primary school, right? Our mm -hmm. whole K through 12 is a shit show with that particular um, special need. So I was like, that makes me feel so much better also about secondary school for mm -hmm. Isla because Isla is very, very smart. I mean, even this year already, she and I looked at her grades this week and she's so discouraged because Everything is weighted so strongly for testing. She has a hundred on everything in every single class and has like 40, 50, 60 on all of her tests. And so she's a C student. And she's like, but I'm not a C student. If you could just look at all my grades and if the test wasn't weighted 60% of my grade, yeah. I'd be at least a high B, you know? So it kind of sucks. And I think in college, they... They make bigger accommodations for that, knowing that some kids don't test well. Okay, let's have an oral test. Okay, present a project instead. Okay, write a paper instead. You know, I think that was my impression from talking to Susie and from talking to someone else who had a kid, I think, at the college that Georgia's going to that had a kid that's already there that has a lot of special learning compensations that they need, and they're having a great experience. So... Anyway, I don't think anybody should be limited by their dreams, whatever their dreams are, even though this dream of being in these the best colleges is impossible. It sucks. So terrible. It's, uh, it's somewhat arbitrary, right? Like the best 
like your best and my best are different, right? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's so, I don't know why we put so much pressure on these kids. I mean, for so many things, but for this, it's just too much. One thing that comes up again and again in here and also in my own life is that honestly, after like maybe for your first job, they want to know where you went to college. But honestly, I don't remember like I have, I have a four year degree and no job has ever like they, they don't care. It's like you have a college degree. Great. Yeah, that's and very true. It's true. They don't care where they don't know where it's from. It could be from Harvard. It's not. But like, right. you know, and do they check? Right. I could say, yeah, I went to school for four years. I said uh-huh. graduate. So I could totally right. say, yeah, George State. Mm, just don't check my transcript. <laughs> don't ask for transcripts. Right. Um, but yeah, you're right. Unless you're a specialized, if you're a doctor, lawyer, sure. engineer, architect. Yeah. Yes. If you're you something where, like, that it's going to hang on the wall in your office. But that also generally requires like more education. Yeah. So you're talking master's Grad school, or PhD yeah. or whatever, right? So nobody even gives a shit about undergrad at yeah. that level either. You're right. You're so you're right. They do sort of. Because I know when... In order to get in, but... No, no, no. When I'm shopping for teeth, <laughs> my dentist... For my kids, my pediatric dentist was helping me find an orthodontist based on where they went to undergrad. She was like, I need to know where they went to dental school so that I can know what they know as a dentist based on their teeth condition. Because you don't learn about that, I guess, in orthodontic school. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was like, interesting. So she's like, we need to find someone that went to Penn because I know that program and I know what they know. So let's find that person. There's got to be one here. And we did find one. Right. But again, it doesn't mean that somebody who didn't go to Penn didn't have that program. That's what it means. That's That's, absolutely, I'm just (laughs) That's what, that's a program that she knows. Yes, exactly. That she can have confidence in. And I like her. Exactly. And she's done a great job. So then that's the only experience I've ever had where that mattered. Right. Right. But it was interesting. I didn't think about it until you just brought it up. And I was like, oh yeah, Dr. Did say we need to find someone who went to my undergrad, right? Because then I know I know what they know. I know, yeah, I know what they know at least at a base. Um, anyway, I, I I highlighted some things in this book. One that I was going to copy and give to my daughter. A couple of these, um, but this one I thought was really cool. It says college is a singular opportunity to rummage through and luxuriate in ideas. To give your brain a vigorous workout and your soul a thorough investigation. To realize how very large the world is and to contemplate your desired place in it. That is what college is. It's what it's supposed to be. It's what it's supposed to be. And all this freaking rigmarole we go through to get to the place. That that statement can happen on any college campus in the world. It doesn't even have to Mm -hmm. be here. And it should happen. Like, I feel like that also gets lost a little bit. Completely. Right? Like, you're so driven. You have to be in this program. You have to do this. You have to do that. Where's the opportunity to take, like, I don't know, intro to fly fishing or whatever the fuck you want to take? You know what I mean? Like, all of that stuff Mm -hmm. that isn't a real class or whatever. Like, why don't they get to do that anymore? Yeah. What were your favorite uh, classes? Did you take any class like that that was sort of out there? What? I took rifle. That's hysterical, right? Yeah. Riflery. Riflery. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I had riflery. Good old Southerner. Yeah. Good old West Georgia <laughs> College. I took riflery with my roommate because we had to have an elective. And I was like, 
fuck it, let's take riflery. So we did. It was awesome. We had so much fun. Um, yeah, I learned how to shoot a, life, a rifle like in prone position, like on my belly, like in the military. <laughs> cool. Wow. Sorry, please don't stop being friends with me. <laughs> no, that's that awesome. That's really cool. Right? But that's like, that's out there. What about you, Kathy? So mine was, so Stephen talks about his intro to acting class as being that. Mine was not, I didn't take anything like that, but I did take um, an education class where I had to actually do um, an internship. And I ended up working in this um, shelter for adolescent girls. And it absolutely changed my life and career path. Like that's when I became a social worker. Wow. Like it totally changed everything that I wanted to do. Wow. Um, so, but it wasn't as fun as shooting at things or whatever. Um, but yeah, that was absolutely made the biggest difference for me. That's so great. Yeah. That's cool. So what about you? I took a class called Grief, Death, and Dying. Jesus. Wow. <laughs> it was amazing. And it was not um, as sad as you would think it would be. <laughs> it had a really fun professor um, who was just really interested. And in that was that was his uh, calling is to deal with um, grief, death, yeah. and dying. Wow. Yeah. Um, I think he worked in palliative care. Um, mm -hmm. and um, But it was great. And it was so engaging. Like he had us read books that weren't texty sort of things like a, you know, read a novel that dealt, you know, where one of the main characters dies and then go through, you know, identify how they did or did not incorporate the five Kubler-Ross's five stages of grief or, mm -hmm. you know, the different yeah. metrics. Um, and then the same thing with a movie. I remember I wrote a paper on my girl. And, um, it was, it was so engaging and, um, this just really opened my eyes. That's so yeah. cool. Yeah, I liked my yeah. art history class too, which was a required, you know, elective. I had to mm -hmm. either take music or art history. And I just didn't know anything about art. I mean, growing up in I, 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 the way I grew up, I just had no idea anything about art. And I thought it was really awesome. I was really, I really enjoyed that class. I, I look forward to going to it and I look forward to reading about it afterwards. I, did, I had no interest in being an art history major or yeah. anything like that, but it was really, it really broadened my horizon, right? It's the whole point. Yes, right? the whole point, yes. Like expose yourself to something that you just have never had or yeah. probably would never have yeah. outside of that arena. That's right. Yeah. And it's so important. Another thing that I found really interesting is... <laughs> Georgia has this friend, Daisy, who is on a podcast. And I love that girl because she's so much herself. And uh, she applied to college as an undeclared major. Yeah. And I was like, wow, good for you. Yeah, You're exactly. basically saying, I have no idea. I'm interested in acting and I'm interested in science and I have no idea. So I'm just going to go in undeclared. And we'll figure it out as we go. And I thought, how freaking brave is that? I don't understand. Why is that not even really allowed these days? Like everybody know. went when I went as undeclared. Who the hell knew what they were doing? Because you're 17, 18 yeah. years old. Like, fuck knows at that point. Yeah. And now you have to have a major. To, you have to. Yeah. Georgia applied to, as an English. You are supposed to. Yeah. Right? Like, it's ridiculous. It is, again, more pressure. Like, how the hell do you know what you want to do? When you're 18, you don't. go figure it out. Go take four years yeah. and figure it out. It's about learning, learning, yeah. uh, learning in an all around, all consuming mm -hmm. way, learning how to be an adult, learning how to build new friends, learning how to navigate a huge campus, 
learning how to feed yourself in a healthy manner. Learning how to manage <laughs> your time, right? Yes. Like you don't have an assignment due every morning where you come home and do homework. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you make all that happen with the massive amounts of free time you have now? Yes. You know? Like, yes, crazy. Figure out life. Let me see what else I highlighted yeah. in here and feel free to, to talk about well, your stuff. You know stuff. what I realized? Um, this is sort of not to do with the getting in, but just about the general stress, kids stress about going to college. I realized that um, my kids haven't really done programs at colleges. And I'm not talking about like some super, you know, AP crazy thing. I'm talking about like, for example, when I grew up, I played the cello. You did? um, Yeah. And we um, performed at different, when we had concerts, they would sometimes be at different universities (laughs) around town. Or like when I went to, I went to a music camp once um, at Ithaca College Mm -hmm. and I went to another camp at the University of Guelph. And so like I'm used to walking around college campuses and like finding the the food, yeah, <laughs> and, you know, and like staying in a dorm for a week yeah. and all that. It was really demystified for me growing up because that was something that I did. And I also danced competitively in the same thing with dance where we would stay in a dorm and mm-hmm. do this week long program or or perform on stage at some, you know, at a university theater just mm-hmm. because they rented it out, not because we yeah, were yeah. like some great attraction, but because yeah. you they needed, needed a, theater. A, a theater that size. Yeah. And um, I realized like how much it demystified the entire thing. I wasn't freaked out about like, oh my God, a college campus. And then meanwhile, while we're taking our older daughter around to different colleges, not even to do official tours a lot yeah. of the time, just to literally do a drive through and a walk around. We just park and we walk around and are like, look, this is the quad. And this is where you eat. Right. <laughs> and there yeah. are the dorms. Oh, and this is the, you know, whatever Student building. Center. This is the science building. Yeah. Exactly. What we've walked through, one thing we always walk through is the library. Yeah. Look, it's a library, like any other. It has more floors. <laughs> <laughs> this is the quiet floor. This is the talking floor. Like right? it's quieter as you go and up. like yep. you realize like how much of it is just de- and like how much stress dissipated for her mm-hmm. just doing that little yeah. thing. And I just I said to Richard and he, you know, he grew up playing sports. And so he did the same thing where it was like basketball camp was at this college and and whatever. So we the whole experience was so demystified for us. And it was such a less uh, stressful thing where mm-hmm. I honestly don't even know if I had to write an essay <laughs> to get into college. I I it was like transcripts. Great. Here in same, same. <laughs> I, I filled out an application. Yeah. Paid like a $25 yeah. application fee and called it a day. That's interesting. You say that that's a really interesting perspective because I spent a lot of time on college campuses too in cheer camp. Every summer we go to mm-hmm. cheer camp for a week and Sometimes we would play, we had a tournament, a basketball tournament, because we had a small county and then there was a city school. The city school is like the Goliath of the school, of the whole county, right? Um, And we would all play in a tournament on the college campus over the course of a week or something. So I went to that West Georgia College campus for years before I actually went to college. So you're right, but there's no opportunity for us to do that these days, at least in the tract, so to speak, that my kids are in. They're not playing sports competitively. They're not musicians or dancers. They don't have any. We go camping with Girl Scouts. Right. <laughs> we don't do that on a college campus. Maybe we should. I, right. Maybe we should. But that's an interesting perspective. I hadn't thought about that. It was when I showed up, I was like, oh, yeah, this and this and this and this and this. And you yeah. think it's just intuitive. 
but how could it have possibly been, be been for them? Because yes. it was intuitive for me because I'd been there so much. Totally. I hadn't thought about right. it. And we're trying to just like stress to our daughter that, look, a college campus is just, it's just a mini community. Yeah. It's a microcosm. Yeah. So there's food, there's a place to live, <laughs> there's places, you know, classrooms, it, buildings, just like your high school or just like your middle school or your elementary school, they're just a little bigger. Like, mm -hmm. and sometimes they're not, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> there yeah, are right, some, right, some schools that are teeny tiny, but there's like, a gym. There's a, exactly, yeah. there's a gym, there's, there's a, a library, there, there are stores. Services. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, totally. There. Exactly. She said like, well, what happens if I get sick? Do I have to fly home and go to our doctor? And I was like, guess what? There's health services. Yeah, like, right. <laughs> but I mean, it's but then I thought about it and I'm like, oh, what an idiot to not explain this all to her. Uh -huh. Of course, her they mind literally is literally have places. zero yeah. understanding. No, yeah. none. Even of the how the day to day works, you know, I, yes. of the saying like you may have one class and it's an hour and a half. All day. Yeah. So that's where you get into trouble. That's where I got into trouble in college <laughs> mm -hmm. is that I was bored. Even though I had a full schedule, full load of classes, yeah. and I worked, I still was like, I just got into trouble all the time because I had too much free time. I need, I just didn't have Maybe it's just because you're a troublemaker. Uh, maybe. You're a troublefinder. I, I was not ready. I was talking to somebody this weekend. Oh, I had a mega sleepover. <laughs> And the mom showed up all about the same time and we were just chit-chatting and they were asking me about Georgia going to college. And one of the moms who I just loved went, oh, it's time for the reckoning. <laughs> and I went, well, yeah, I guess so. I hadn't thought about that. She said, college is a reckoning. It is, it is a ripping apart of everything you know so you can reconstruct it into what you do know and build who you I know, are. It's terrifying. And I was like, like you're right. She said, it's one of the most amazing times ever if you're ready for it. And I thought, I looked at her and I went, I wasn't ready for it. That's mm -hmm. why I fell apart. I wasn't ready. I also had external circumstances that were happening while I was in college that just went, yeah, you're not, this is not happening for you at this moment. But that's why I never finished. I, I couldn't have done it. I couldn't have finished it. I just wasn't, uh, I just wasn't ready on some levels. And um, yeah, it was a reckoning. That whole time, and, and some of that reckoning is really amazingly positive, right? Mm -hmm. But I thought that's such a great <laughs> adjective to describe what's happening, you know? Mm -hmm. And for us as parents to just be there and listen and watch this hullabaloo, <laughs> whether it's quiet or loud, is what you're supposed to do. Is This mm -hmm. is normal. Um, and I think parents don't. Parents, parents, we don't need this book. You know, that's the thing is I read this book and I kept going, what asshole doesn't already know this? <laughs> Who's the asshole that doesn't know? Yes. But even when you know things, yeah. I find throughout life, whatever things I have learned or know, quote unquote, no, yes. it repetition Right. really helps to to cement and or for confirmation me, maybe confirmation, confirmation right yeah. it makes you feel it made me feel not crazy yeah well that's good yeah. that is like i needed someone to validate that i wasn't insane right i might be but in this moment i felt like i was making the right not the right choice but the like you know, i was the on right the right i had the right thought process. also that there's data to back you up like, yes. because the, he, there's a yeah. ton of data. He does. Yeah, yes. I know. I had a hard time with the data too. He kept going, and here are the top 10 colleges. And I would go, skip. 
Yes. And here's the next thing. And this skip, percentage right. do this. And this percentage and went on skip, to do this. Skip, and this percentage. Skip, and, and if you look at these like Nobel Prize winners, they come from this percentage of yeah, college and this percentage. Yes. Yeah. Like, oh, this right, that's amount not, of this percentage of MacArthur. Right. Which yeah. is really great for his research, but it's not easy to read. No. And it was a bit repetitive. It was very repetitive. Yeah, but that's really what, isn't that what we've learned through all these years of book club is that these type of books, (laughs) that is- They should be pamphlets. Well, but that's their point is that it's like, in the best case scenario, the thesis statement is the title. Where yes. you go is yeah. not who you'll be. And so he accomplished that. And then every chapter is there's a different focus it's just to yeah validating to, prove, to validate that thesis. And, yeah, which is exactly like it's very it's well written. It's very yeah. well written in that respect. It's just that we didn't necessarily need, especially because it was preaching to the choir. Yeah. You know, yeah. it wasn't <laughs> like it needed to change our minds. Right. We were already there. Um, if you're a right. college counselor. I would imagine mm-hmm. you would eat this book for lunch. Mm-hmm. You would love it, right? With all these statistics. And that's actually how I heard about it was from our school. Yeah, well, but Susie yeah. recommended it. Yeah. She's a college counselor. And for her and what she does for a living, it makes sense why this book would, would be amazing. Mm-hmm. For me, I was like, no, duh. This is how we function already. I mean, Bert, we're not an academic family. We're an artistic, creative family. And- not that that doesn't necessarily go through academia. I think it's just a different focus. Mm-hmm. So creativity, in my experience, in my household, comes from everywhere. It doesn't just come from, no one reads books in my family but me. <laughs> you know, so it doesn't come from books. We're not book learned at the Kreischer household. We're just creative thinkers, problem solvers, and creative thinkers. So, yes, college can help you facilitate that creativity, but it's not uh, being academically driven has never gone on in this house. And we were at a very academically driven elementary school, Mm -hmm. which was very difficult for my younger kid because she was just constantly a failure. And I think I've figured out in that moment, we stayed in that school for a lot of reasons that were positive. But after that school, I was like, she just needs to, I need to put her somewhere where she feels good about herself. That's it. And that middle school did that for her. She felt great about herself. And it wasn't for academics. It was because she liked where she was. She liked her friends. And she had the most amazing English teacher that changed the way she functioned in English. So was it perfect? No. But is there perfect? No. I mean, I could have moved her to your kid's private school because that's where her best friend is. Mm -hmm. And she might have just absolutely failed. Mm -hmm. She was fine. I keep thinking, I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to say good enough is all you need. My kids have had a good enough education. I have no real complaints because academia is not my focus. My focus is having a balanced, happy, healthy, mentally healthy kid as much as you can. And if taking five AP classes gets you there, freaking right on. Not my kids. My kids would probably take riflery. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have to tell you, the APs are new to me because I'm Canadian and we didn't it's a different system. Oh, it um, didn't exist when I was a kid. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also I don't, I'm old. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, when you said that um, George's favorite was AP environmental science. Um, so that's known as apes that, uh-huh. you know, yeah, they apes. call like AP us history is a push, whatever. Yeah. So apes and Camille um, said, you know, Oh, I'm not going to do apes because I heard it's depressing. 
um, because it's, you know, it's yeah. about the state of the environment. And I went, wait a minute, there is a class offered on apes. <laughs> Why wouldn't you take that? My, my double major, actually, I don't think I ended up with a double major. I think it ended up being a minor, but it was anthropology. And my interest in anthropology was primatology. Apes. Funny. So I was like, I can't believe they're teaching a high school AP level class on apes and you're not taking it. And she's like, she was mortified. It was like, it's not about monkeys. <laughs> Oh, she's like, oh my God, my mom is so old. Oh my God. Clueless. I wouldn't have known either. It was explained to me right off the bat. Apes is is AP Mm -hmm. environmental science. And then she said, she said, well, obviously, if there was a class on apes, I would take it, mom. And I was like, okay, that's all I need to know. Does she want to be a zookeeper too? You know, they get off they, really they early. At four. Yeah, the zoo closes at four. That's what I hear. Pretty sweet gig. Doesn't even open till ten. You're only working ten to four. <laughs> so much they don't know about the world, right? How could we ever expect them to know what college is like if they think the zookeepers only work from ten to four? Oh, Isla Kreischer, she kills but she me. She has really good feet. She has great feet, according to her. <laughs> and you know why? Because she's bound them her entire life. And now they're these teeny tiny little feet because she couldn't tolerate loose socks. So she basically either wore compression type socks or made a sock into like the heel would be halfway up her calf because she'd pull it so tight around her toes that her little toes are like, they're like this. They're like little bitty nuggets. And I don't know if it's because. <laughs> she really because she did that or if that's just her feet but they're pretty cute well anyway. you know that there's a mom in our community who is a hand model no i didn't know legit that. and i remember being at our elementary school and somebody asking like if she was going to be coming to volunteer and somebody said no she has a hand job and everybody was like <laughs> what like, <laughs> but she is a legit hand model like in advertising and yeah, yeah. whatever but <laughs> She gives great hand jobs. Yeah. Right. Hand jobs every day. Only fans. Like. There's her, her, her <laughs> alternative career. Only fans. Um, well, anything else you want to say about this book? I don't think so. I feel like we have said a lot. Yeah. I don't know. It's You're right. Like the same. If you read the title, you get the gist. If mm-hmm. you can really, really, really like, own that title where you go is not who you'll be then then you got it i mean the stuff that i'd highlighted was about kind of it was (laughs) it was how gross this process has become right how parents are behaving in this process Mm -hmm. and how gross that is like the links they'll go to to get their kids in and all these written examples of links these parents went to to get their kids in i find actually disgusting and so bad for your kid it's like saying to your kid i don't think you can do this and your merits aren't enough so i'm gonna have to pay somebody cheat write your essay for you. And what message does that give your kid? Yeah. Right. It's not the message of we're going to get you in at all cost. That's not what the kid hears. Maybe partly, but what the kid hears is you're not good enough. You're not good enough to do this. Uh, I, I think a kid would go, 
Well, my, my, I mean, who wants to say my mom wrote my essay? But then talk <laughs> about like when you get there, how unprepared are you for life? Yeah. Right? Like if you can't even participate in the process to get yourself in there because you're not good enough or because your parents have to do it for you, how the hell are you going to succeed when they're cross country or even 45 minutes away, right? Like on their own. They yeah. can't, uh, like, I don't know. It's such a recipe for failure. It which is. Which is so unfair. I agree. It's really unfair. It's, um, I don't know. I feel like too, this book is for a very specific part of the country, a very specific brain set. Mm -hmm. Because I have to tell you, even though my friends, kids and Bowdner and AP classes, I think the motivation for that in some way is to save money on college. Not necessarily, because if you take an AP class, you don't have to take that in college. So now you're not paying for, for that. Some, yeah. For some, yes. Yeah. Um, although Georgia has a great HOPE scholarship program that I think should be emulated everywhere. If you have a certain grade point average, I think it's 3.5. I may be wrong. It's been a long time since I've been to Georgia. The Georgia Lottery pays for your education at a state school in Georgia. So if you live in Georgia and you maintain a good grade point average, you basically have a free education. I'm sure you have to pay for some portion, maybe your books, maybe your housing, but they'll pay for your education from the lottery system. And you have to maintain that grade point average throughout college. I think it's 3.5, but I may be wrong. But how amazing that that really does give a kid access to college who's a typical learner who can maintain that grade point average mm -hmm. by just working hard, you know? And then... They get that opportunity. So I love that. I think that takes so much stress. Like you're talking about, you're looking at money going, what the heck? Whereas if you lived in Georgia, at least you, you may not get every school you were interested in, but that's University of Georgia. That's Georgia State. That's Georgia Tech. That's um, Mercer. I don't know if it's Emory because they're private, but, um, but that's, you know, those state schools, mm -hmm. although Mercer, I think, is private also. So I take that back. But I know the state schools, Georgia State, University of Georgia, yeah, University of West Georgia, yeah. um, probably Southern Union. Um, I don't know why we don't do that across the country. I, I exactly. Mean, I don't know why it's not, not just standard across the country. It's so stupid. We have a lottery like, we, like, here. We shoot our kids in the foot over and over again. Like, what the hell are we thinking as adults running this country? I agree. I swear to God, like, it is ridiculous. I agree. My experience from having friends that are teachers in Georgia uh, is that they do a better job than California uh, mm -hmm. across the board with primary education and with secondary education in mm -hmm. supporting people to go to school. And I think that Hope Scholarship will put you through um, uh, vocational school as well. Like if you want to be a plumber, mm -hmm. no problem. Maintain your grade point average. Yeah. That's so amazing. And yeah, how much pressure. So I think those kids at least in my hometown, are going to AP classes, partly because that's where they are educationally, mm -hmm. partly because that helps them financially, right? To to graduate earlier and get in the job force. Um, well, it also helps the state of Georgia. You're keeping people there longer. They're yeah. more likely to stay yep. if they're connected to that community and then have a job after they graduate. Totally. Right? Like it's just this giant positive cycle mm -hmm. if that's what's really happening, you know? Yeah. So stupid. So what were you going to, what'd you look up? No, just that there, um, he has, uh, cites a report here that says, um, student debt, um, it means yeah. obvious, but student debt has a significant impact on well being, And basically yeah. the higher the student debt, the less likely for hey that guys, child to be successful. I just want to say hi. 
Hi, baby. Hi. Yo, Hi. my God, you are such a nerd. Is that how you read? Is that how you fucking read? Are you serious? Why do you think I do book Holy club with her? Wait, so wait. How many things are in your hands when you read? That's insane. That's insane. But you don't read ever. I've never read a book. Yes, you have. I've read a book. I read The Firm. But like, oh my God, that's insane. Excellent lab partner, right? Excellent lab partner. Even better than me, this lab partner. Oh my God. First time outed for my feet. And now I'm outed as being a nerd. <laughs> Maybe I should be on OnlyFans. <laughs> you should put him on OnlyFans, yes. For sure. That's really funny. Um, he interrupted you. I don't even remember what you were saying. No, it's, I mean, it's about just, the it's debt. debt. Right. Yeah. Well, look, think about it. Kids are not, they're living at home longer. Like they're not contributing to society in that way. They're straddled with this massive amounts of debt. Like it's, uh, it's a terrible system on so many levels. Yeah. Let me see what this is. Um, oh, this is stupid. Never mind. Um, anyway. Um, well, I, I mean, yeah, all, I mean, you've asked like how I'm feeling about this. I'm feeling calm today. Like, let's wait and see when we're waiting for <laughs> acceptances to roll in or when, you know, something goes awry in the application process or, you know, who knows? Like yeah. anything could happen between now and then. And I'm certainly prone to being anxious about things. But I just I am 100 percent not concerned with the name of a school. Yeah. I just want my kid in to get into places that she's excited to go to. Yeah, that's it. Um, yeah. Cause honestly her engagement, like their excitement over the process is really, that's going to drive their engagement mm -hmm. there. Um, I think there was a really interesting, um, section, this girl who did not get into, she had good grades and she, she was the one who advocated for herself because her ACT scores were low. She was missing a dozen points on her ACT scores and she advocated for herself. She wrote this letter to the college when she didn't get in saying, look, I know this wasn't good and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, she did not get into her dream college and she ended up going to a state school, but she was determined. She was just bound and determined to just soak up every inch uh -huh. of that experience and found out that the state school that um, she was eligible to take some classes at Duke university. If there was space, um, that they had a reciprocal program and she did that. And she, you know, took advantage of every program that was offered and just had this amazing experience. And I, I highlighted that, um, or flagged it with a hundred, <laughs> um, because uh, that's something that I want to really, um, get across to my kids mm -hmm. that it's just college is really what you make of it too. I, my college experience, my goal was to get in, get out and get on, move on to theater school. Mm -hmm. I wanted to get that four year degree and I did it in two years. I went wow. around the clock. Like mm -hmm. I stayed at home to save money. I, I went in the summer as well. I took extra classes just to get in, get that degree and run. Right. I was in the, the play. <laughs> I was in Hamlet. Wow. But other than that, I participated in nothing of yeah. campus mm -hmm. life. I did not go to football games or concerts or uh, I just I, w I really wasn't very social at all. I had, you know, coffee with friends like 
a bit, but I didn't even really make that many friends Mm -hmm. in college because my goal was to just get that degree. And I, my goal for my kids is to not have that experience. Mm -hmm. It was my choice and, you know, it, it worked out. I did go, I had that experience when I went to theater school in New York, but, um, I would really like them to just soak up every experience and to go to see the comic who's coming to town and to, to go to the talks with the visiting whoever, or when mm. somebody's selling a book or whatever, just to do all of the stuff, to yeah. go to the parties, yeah. to have the fun. And I think that's something that is a big learning curve for kids too. Uh, when we just went to George's orientation for college and I was like, she said, I want to get a job. I said, totally hundred percent. That's where you make friends. You should also join a club. She was like a club. I said, oh, yeah, this is how you make friends. Join the Greek life. Join an intramural sport. Volunteer for philanthropy. Join a club. Some, there's there's going to be a running club, a hiking club, a workout club, a crochet club. There's going to be every club you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Or you can start your own club and join a club with something you're really interested in. Because if you're really interested in crocheting, which she is, then you're going to find other people who are also interested in that. And they may not be your end all be all, but they will be a group. Yeah. And you may find one person in there that helps you in some other way. That's one of the things you learn in college is how to create a life for yourself because the life you have at home was kind of created for you. Parents chose your school, all the friends, you get to choose your friends within the context of that school, but you hang out with them as much as your parents say. And then when they have all this, um, unstructured, unadvised way of functioning in a social, emotional way, I think kids just get stuck. They just don't know how to move forward unless they've moved schools a lot, you know, or mm-hmm. moved, moved towns a lot and have had to start over. But that hasn't really been the experience for our kids. It's the same Girl Scout troop now for 11 years. You know what I mean? So <laughs> to drop Georgia in a school where she knows two other people and a school that has 35,000 students or whatever they have, I have no idea, it's a lot, is overwhelming. And she was like, what makes me nervous is how do I find friends? So I just broke that down for her. Mm -hmm. And also at the orientation, I found it really interesting that they gave the parents a ton of practical information that they did not give the students. And I I don't know why. Um, Like, Basic information like there's a shuttle. This is what the shuttle will do. This is how much the hours it runs. They want the students to figure that out on their own, to go on the website and do the research on their own. And I'm like, there's so much to learn in that first pocket. Give them a couple of bones, man. (laughs) Give them the the, the friggin' number to the shuttle. Come on, explain what the shuttle does. But maybe you're the bone. Maybe that was the point because she and I sat down and had a very long conversation. I made a huge double-sided, like single-space notebook page notes, packed, like in the margins of all this practical information. Mm-hmm. Do you know where to go for health, mental health services? They have at her particular campus, they have a napping room that's in the middle of campus. So if you have school here and your, your dorm is all the way across campus, but you have an hour and a half break between classes, you can go there and just take a nap. And she was like, I didn't know that. I said, yeah, you just sign in and you can take a half hour nap. Mm -hmm. There's a like rock climbing wall. It's a whole wellness center. So you got time to kill. She was like, I didn't know that. I had no idea. 
Um, and I thought this is so much practical information that would help them on that social, emotional piece, you know, where you go, I just need to go rock climb on this rock climbing wall and I'll meet somebody there. That was what was giving Georgia the most anxiety. How do you make friends? How do you meet people in a healthy way? Besides one of her <laughs> one of her friends is at college. And I was like, how is so-and-so doing? And she was like, oh, she has frat flu. And I went, what is frat flu? <laughs> she said, that's when you go to so many frat parties, you, you, parties, you get the flu. And I was like, that's a thing? <laughs> she said, mom, it's totally a thing. And she has frat flu. So she's miserable because now she's missing the whole next week of frat parties <laughs> because she partied too much the first week. And I was like, oh there are God. other ways to make friends than just frat house hopping. I mean, that is one way, uh -huh. but it's not the only way to skin that cat to give yourself the freaking frat flu. Have you ever heard this frat flu? No, no. that's hilarious though. That is funny. Nor yeah, I. Funny. And she threw that term out like everybody knows what that is. You know, it's like... <laughs> Same as your apes. And I'm like, what is a frat flu? Do you drink the water in a flat frat house and you get the flu? What is it? I don't understand. That's funny. So I don't know. I think that that piece is, I guess you may think they just know. Well, you know how to make friends. You've done it your whole life. Oh, dude. But I, they don't. Yeah. I still, I feel like I'm just now learning how to make friends. <laughs> and I've had friends my whole life, but it's like, it just felt like they just happened. Yeah. It feels yeah. like friendships just happened. And then when you go back and reverse engineer it, you're like, oh, it happened because exactly. I said yes to this. Yes, or they yeah. reached out or I reached out. Or yes. yes. Well, I yeah. used I used our elementary school as an example. When we moved here in our previous neighborhood, there were not a lot of young families. It was a lot of young professionals. So I didn't have a community to even find. Um, there was obviously an elementary school. But it seemed that that the people in that school were scattered, very, very scattered. It was um, in a very wealthy part of Hollywood. So we weren't in that wheelhouse at all. And so when we moved, I said to Bert, I am going to volunteer at this school because I believe in volunteerism. I like to volunteer. I want to be involved in my kids experience. And then I'm going to find like minded people. So, cause people who volunteer are like-minded. So I did that on purpose to make friends mm -hmm. for myself, you know? And I was like, mm -hmm. and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. If I don't find friends, fine. But I ended up finding all you, both of you from that school, Sandy, like all of my current, very close friends are from that one decision to say, I'm going to volunteer and I'm going to get involved in this community. And then we became completely involved in this community. And this weekend we were at the beach um, mm -hmm. and we were sitting on the beach. And here come two people that came from that community, yeah. from that volunteerism. And we were like, what's up? And now here's another person. And we found out two more people from that community are coming up the next day. And now we have that community somewhere that's not even here. It's right. Not it's even amazing. close to the community. Yeah. No. But that was a conscious decision. and. I was lucky that that one choice that I committed to and stayed with for six years or however long, yeah, about six years, um, paid off in that way. But that can happen in college too. For those four years that are in college, if you join, so one of the girls on the panel at, at Georgia's orientation was like, I'm a runner. I love to run. So I just joined the running club. And it's the one thing that has never changed from day one is that I go to running club. I don't ever miss a meeting unless there's something major going on. And it keeps me sane. 
and it keeps everything moving forward for me is that one choice. So it could be something else for some other kid. That's really smart to keep something consistent over those four years, because everything's going to change. You're going to have different professors and different, your major might change. Different roommates. Different roommates. But Mm -hmm. yeah, that's really smart thing to intentionally do. She did that. And I thought that was smart as well. That's why I said to Georgia, join the intramural lacrosse team. You love lacrosse. Intramural is not the same as playing at a college level. You show up, you play, you go home. You might have a practice once a week. It's really not that big of a deal. And you just have fun. You blow off some steam. You meet some like-minded people. You get some good exercise. It's like easy. I did that. I played indoor soccer intramural. I had never played soccer before. Um, and they were like, we need a goalie. We cannot find anybody goalie. And I was like, I think I can figure that one out. <laughs> it's like, stop, stop, <laughs> stop the ball. Stop. That's all you need to do. Right. And they were like, well, I mean, a little more than that. And I was like, but I can figure the rest of it out. So I played intramural soccer. I had so much fun. I loved it. Um, yeah. And then I got hit in the face one too many times. And I was like, maybe not. <laughs> One, one season's enough for me. Yeah. That's really what I want for my kids is to, for them to try new mm-hmm. things and see what sticks. And it's not about like whether intramural soccer sticks. Yeah. It's yeah. just like trying new things and finding things that's like, wow, I didn't know I liked whatever. Yeah. The spirit of fun. Mm-hmm. College should be about the spirit of fun and learning and growing and figuring out who you are. And then everybody's going to learn math and English, you know, anyway, mm-hmm. Where you are is not who you'll be. If you're a college counselor, you should definitely read it. <laughs> Other than that, just read the title. <laughs> I still recommend it. I, I would still too. recommend yeah. it. You do? Yeah. yeah I, I think I that there are a lot of people who don't necessarily think like us um, mm. and who need like a little reassurance that you don't need to be so hung up on the selective schools because in this, you know, we sort of glossed over the data because again, we didn't need it. But like, there's a lot of data about like, you know, some like top politicians, top business Mm -hmm. people, top, whatever, top in all different fields. And the, how you have this idea that, oh, all presidents went to Ivy leagues. And that's based on like Bush, Clinton, Obama, Mm -hmm. but really all these other presidents went to state schools. Mm -hmm. And then likewise with all different kinds of heads of their field, and so it really debunks the idea that it's like Ivy League or bust or selective school or bust mm-hmm. in terms of being a very um, successful. Um, it does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Financially successful or successful in whatever way. Um, so I think it I think that is helpful. Um, I think that would be helpful for a lot of people. I agree with you. I th- maybe maybe I had to recommend it to someone who feels like they are. I feel like I feel like this culture of higher education the unhealthy culture is like a stream of salmon, <laughs> like swimming upstream as fast as they can. Yes. And some people, and I think I'm one of them, like hopped out on land and went, I'm good. I'm just going to walk around out here. I know I'm an, in my analogy, I'm a fish and I can't really be on land, but you know what I mean? <laughs> we get it. I'm out here on the side going, I don't need to be in that stream. So maybe for people who feel like they're in that stream and feel like it's not right or it's not good or something's not healthy, this could actually help pull them out of the stream and go, hold on, this is not what we need to be doing. Yes. To hear another perspective other yeah. than that stream that they're in. Cause you right. get locked into like, Oh, well, so-and-so is applying to here and you have to do this. Exactly. And then, like, 
all that chatter. Um, I think it's even better for that. Like, yeah. because you do need to hear a different perspective, mm-hmm. right? That's the whole point of reading some of this stuff, which yeah. is why it may not be so great because it's the perspective we already have. Yes. Right. But if you don't have this perspective to be, you know, the contrarian, <laughs> mm-hmm. to see the flip side, yeah. right? That is actually pretty valuable. That's how you learn and grow. Yes. Cause you can be like, oh, I don't agree with that. Or I do agree with and, that. Or, oh, yeah. maybe I should be thinking about this differently. And the flip side with a whole bunch of data to back it up, right. like yeah. a whole book full of data yes. to back it up. Yeah. So it is very, yeah. very data-driven, yeah. um, very data-driven, fact-driven information. Yeah. And that's, you know, you can't dispute data. You, you really, or I can't. Maybe some people can say there is no climate change. I cannot. I go, well, the data says. And so, yeah, I don't know. It was, I, I'm glad I read it, sort of. I'm glad I read it, sort of. I kept, The whole time I was reading it, I was going, that's just a waste of my time. I already know this shit. I don't believe it. Blah. Um, but I see where it would be valuable for people who don't think like me. And there are a lot of them. I thought it was really valuable. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Especially you had someone who was in the stream with the salmon. Yeah. Yeah. And you were like, hey, I'm holding on to this right. branch here. Can we get out of this stream? <laughs> so, just, can we meet in the middle? So you flopped yeah. up on the branch and Steven's still maybe trying to yeah. swim or not anymore. Not anymore. Not anymore. Yeah. 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 And maybe not even the whole process, but a lot of it. Yeah. He but, definitely yeah, kept yeah. going back in the stream. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he stick a fin in. He definitely. Yeah. <laughs> How's he feeling about everything now with college for Max? And how are you guys feeling about now having a junior and you're going to have to start this over again? <laughs> well, what would you do differently with this one? You know, it's so interesting. They are such a vastly different kids <laughs> that you. I feel like the process is going to be entirely different for her sure. to begin with. Yeah. Um, so in some ways, I, I'm not as gun shy as I thought I was going to be because, you know, this process the first time around was really, really challenging. Um, well, you had a steeper learning curve then. Too. I had a steeper learning curve. Stephen and I were not on the same page. We're far more on the same page with Lily than with Max. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I'm not. And I also am not. I'm much calmer this time around because, you know, we've already started getting the like, Oh, junior parents come talk to, about this college thing. I was like, I'm not sure I'm going to go. No, I didn't go. Like I always get this, like, this is what always happens is that because they're at the same school, it's repeated. And I always think, Oh my God, what if I don't go? I'm going to miss something. Right. Mm-hmm. So of course I go. And then I sit there going, fucking a, why am I here? This is exactly yeah, the yeah, same yeah. presentation I heard two years ago. Right. <laughs> yeah. So this time I'm like, I don't think I'm going to go. Yeah. Like I'm not saying it is the same thing. And I know what I'm getting into. And I, we have somewhat of an idea of what's happening with her. So I'll talk to you next spring. <laughs> yeah, right. We'll check in next spring. Well, I took the same path, you know, with mine and I hired Susie. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to stay out of this one also. Because to be honest with you, Isla's had one meeting with Susie. Susie starting earlier with her because of her learning challenges mm-hmm. and r- the anticipation of r- the essay writing taking her a bit longer, her needing a little more time. Susie wanted to have her ahead of her pack, so to speak, Mm -hmm. so that like her essays may be due in August next year instead of September for Susie so that Isla has plenty of time to kind of fix it and figure it out, which I agree with, which Isla agrees with. So she had her first meeting with Susie, which I was not in. 
which is the way it should be uh, for me. That's the way it works for my family is we basically said to Susie, we had to fill out a questionnaire. Who is your kid? Obviously, I did that. And um, obviously, I talked to Susie about her IEP. So she knows and understands what that is. She has a copy of her IEP also. And I said to her, let me know when you need me. I am going to take the same process with this kid that I did with Georgia. I am hands off entirely. That's why I'm paying her. I'm not paying her to do the work also. (laughs) I'm paying her to not do the work at all. (laughs) So I want her to do it with Susie. And she came down after her first meeting and was so excited. She talked to me for maybe 20 minutes straight about what that meeting was Mm -hmm. and what she learned about herself and what she was excited about in going forward and what made her nervous. And I was like, this is working. For our family, this is what needs to happen. Because I guarantee you, if I verbatim had the same meeting with Isla that Susie did, it would have gone in a completely different direction. She would have felt controlled. She would have felt like I was pressuring her. She would have felt like I wasn't listening to her, that I was making assumptions, that I was fire hosing, you you name it. I would have been Satan himself. (laughs) And so I just don't want to be that. I I can't be that in this last year and a half or year and a half, two years that she's home. I have no interest in that happening. So I am so lucky that we can afford to have this person and just let them do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I can't wait to see where Isla ends up. Um, Even if it's, I mean, I'm happy for her to go to the Art Institute. I don't care if she goes, you know, because one of the things, her top three aptitudes were all art related. And so Susie emailed me and said, she may end up somewhere like the Art Institute. I want to know how you feel about that. I said, I don't give a shit where she goes. She can go to vocational school. I don't care. I just want her to do something that makes her happy. It makes her feel fulfilled that she wants to learn and participate in that she's excited about. So if it's the Art Institute, so what? That's fine. If it's new school in New York, perfect. If it's, you know, fit them, okay. I don't care. I just want her to be excited about it. You know? Anyway. What are we reading next? Anybody have a plan? question. You looked panicked when I said that. Kirsten, your face went. Yeah, it was just like flashing back to like a long, drawn out pause of the podcast (laughs) while we search Amazon. Do you know what? I have um, a book that... uh, looked really good and I started to read um, and I stopped because I thought it might be a really great idea for the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and if this would open up, I could find it. Um, okay. Uh, Paulina Pinsky was on Thursday. She told me she is reading the best memoir she's ever read in her entire life. Okay, what is it? And I just texted her to see what the title of it was. She told me in the episode. I have no idea. I don't remember. Okay. Um, She said it was amazing. That the story was amazing, but the way it was written was also Mm -hmm. amazing. So we'll see if she'll... Okay, this book is Mm -hmm. called For You When I Am Gone, 12 Essential Questions to Tell a Life Story. So this is a book written by a rabbi. Um... It is, it's about writing an ethical will. Oh, you talked about this before. A document that includes yeah. stories and reflections about your past. Um, it, it can include joy and regrets. Ultimately, it becomes both a way to remember a loved one who is gone 
and a primer on how to live a better, happier life. So it's the questions are, it's like, so he asks these questions. What was your most painful regret and how can your loved ones avoid repeating it? When was the time you led with your heart instead of your head? What did you learn from your biggest failure? Um, and he includes examples of other people who've written this. And so basically the, the point of it is to have these letters or this, you know, this document to leave for your family when you're gone. Um, but more than that, it also helps you double down on your own values because a right. lot of the time we can go, Oh yeah, my values, my values are this. And then when I stop, I'm like, what are my values? Like, <laughs> Interesting you question. Know, because mm. like, yeah, we're all like, Oh, don't cheat. Don't steal. Da, 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 da. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. all this stuff, all the basic things, but it's like, what are my, mo- what are the most important values to me? And it requires a lot of doubling down and thinking about that. But so this is like a workbook type book club. Yeah. So it would be kind of somewhere. I mean, you could just read it, uh-huh. um, but mm-hmm. you could also workbook read it, it and workbook it. Workshop and, it. Yeah. Think mm. about it. It's not a long book in terms of reading it. Right. But it would just, it would be time consuming to actually sit down and write all those do letters. Do the work. Yeah. I would yeah. like to sit down and write all those letters. That would be really cool. Um. We may need a little yeah. extra time for this book club yes. book because yes. I don't know about you, but my yeah. fall basically no, just said, buckle your seatbelts. Totally. Because yeah. you, you're, there's no slow time. But yes. I'm interested in that. I think that's cool. What do you think about that, Kathy? Uh, yeah, it feels a little bit overwhelming, but <laughs> yeah. it would be really interesting. So, so should we do it or no? Sure. I, I don't mean, know. Waiting on Paulina. <laughs> Wait, I'm waiting. Paulina, where are you? Paulson, do like, you remember what it was? <laughs> He's looking in his history. He's reading on that. No, Paulina. Dang it. She always answers me right away, too. Um, what are you doing, Paulina? I mean, heaven forbid she has you a know, life. She's probably in her artist way workshop. <laughs> Whatever. Have you ever done the artist way? Yeah. Yeah. What well, did you like it? I loved it. I did it when the, the book first came out. Like a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> a long time ago. Me too. I did yeah. A long time ago, too. Yeah. The that would actually page. be fun to do. <sighs> the morning pages killed me. My morning starts with dogs. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, I think our, all of ours start with dogs. Yeah. yeah. I got a lot more dogs than you do. <laughs> so I had dogs and cats and kids and bus stop. And by the time I'm back, I'm not writing no morning pages. I ain't doing it. It's got, that's the hard part is I could write mid afternoon pages, <laughs> <laughs> but no morning. Okay. Well then let's do this book. What's it called? Uh, Tell me again. Just lost it. Wait, I got it right here. For You When I Am Gone. Yes. By Steve Letter. Yes. For You While I Am Gone. His I'll send you Letter. both a copy. That's hysterical. I'll send you both a copy today For from Amazon. Well, I have to wrap it up because last week, Mona ruptured her ACL because of her heart condition, your soul sister, her heart condition. She cannot have surgery. And out of sympathy, Mac blew out both of his. <laughs> Both of his back, ACLs, are blown. So I have to take him for a second opinion because he's supposed to go to surgery on Thursday for one. And then we get to do the other one later. So isn't that amazing? Can you believe that happened again? 
So, okay. I mean, I, I think it's, you have to assume every time you get a bull mastiff, this is happening. Well, uh, uh, Mona's not a bull mastiff. Okay. She's also 110. She's, elderly. she's 16. She's like- <laughs> and she jumped off the guest bed. The guest bedroom's bed. She jumped off, blew her ACL. Yeah. It's not oh. a tear. Hers ruptured. Yeah. And I'm supposed to wrap it every day. I have wrapped it twice today already. And it keeps, I keep seeing her and she's half on her foot. <laughs> oh. And I can't, cause it's like wrapping a pork chop. You know what I mean? Like, how do you get it tight down here and not like cut the circulation, not make a tourniquet? So I'm like trying and I've wrapped it twice today. I wrapped it once yesterday. I came home, went to see my in-laws and it was down around her ankle. But then today she's walking, going, shaking her foot, trying to get it off. And it's halfway off her foot. And I'm like, I'm totally screwed with this dog. I don't even know how I'm going to get. She is so sweet. She's the best dog. Mona. And let me tell you something. Pain meds are her friend. As soon as this <laughs> happened, the doc, Dr. Dogger was like, okay, so she's going to need a knee brace for the rest of her life. And she's going to be on pain meds for the rest of her life. That dog is so happy. <laughs> she is wagging her tail. She is hopping like a bunny rabbit. Aww. So what narcotics does for that dog is a lot. <laughs> but Mac is really struggling because, you know, He's 150 pounds and he's basically walking around on his two front legs. So I feel like I need to urgently get him at least underway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, you know, these dogs, the ACL goes, if it's going to go, it goes between two and two and a half and he's two and four months. (laughs) It's like clockwork. This is the third bull mastiff and this will be the eighth knee surgery. (laughs) I mean, all you can do is laugh because it's ridiculous. Priscilla had five knee surgeries on two legs. And now Izzy's had two. And Izzy's limping again, which means she has permanent lameness in one leg. Nothing you can do about that. And now this asshole. You know how he did it? Chasing a squirrel. He decided to go full, full blast from our back door and jump off the porch two steps high and all the way across the yard after a squirrel blew both knees did you say i hope that was worth it (laughs) (laughs) this girl's going shake his bushy tail that squirrel actually teases them and what's so funny is i didn't tell the vet what happened i wasn't sure what happened didn't see it happen but he had been Chasing this squirrel for days. So I just deduced this is probably going to happen, right? And he sits half in, half out the back door, just watching the one tree the squirrel gets in. So he's watching and the squirrel is teasing him and I'm watching it. And both dogs are like, full blast. So I just sent Dr. Dogger and I said, no idea. I picked my daughter up from school. came home. He was not using his left leg at all. And he was very tender on the right. You tell me, I don't know. So comes in and he goes, I think he must have started running in an explosive manner, maybe chasing a squirrel. And I was like, oh, my God, you're the best vet on the planet. (laughs) Yes, that is exactly what I'm assuming happened because I wasn't there. Mm -hmm. But he's been chasing that damn squirrel for weeks. So he was like, yeah, he's just too heavy to do that. You know, it's like he said, what do he say? It's like asking a lineman to be a running back. (laughs) It's not possible. It's not possible. <laughs> I was like, well, <sighs> oh, well, <laughs> Izzy is a running back. 
he is not. <laughs> so, and Izzy blew hers anyway, so it doesn't matter. Izzy's lean and sleek, and Mac is like the center. <laughs> He's going to hike the ball. He's like, so I have to take him to the vet. But anyway, thank you, ladies, for. Oh, you did? No, that's not the one. Thank you, though. It, that's that's her friend that wrote a book. Um, she had she's writing. A, it's a, a woman wrote this memoir, and this friend is a is a, a man. Um, the vulgar book about the Asian. Two different things. Sorry, Halston. All right, thank we'll you. Plan very on much. reading the memoir after next, next time. Yeah. yeah, for but thank you for reading and evaluating and sharing and post it noting. <laughs> <laughs> Being an excellent lab partner, both of you printed out your notes. You got your post it. Thank you. Nerds. I'm interested. I know, right? Well, hey, I'm a nerd too. Um, I'm interested to see what we come up with of this um, next book club. What's it called again? I forgot already. Dang it. No idea. You will something. For you when I am gone. That's going to be cool. Thanks for bringing that up, for suggesting it. Cool. And you have to share with me what you wrote for what you, what you, what you, for what you're writing. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, all right. Well, y'all have a good day. Thank you for coming. You too. And we'll see you next book club. <laughs> we should, what, wait, hold on. What should we talk about besides book club? Like, we should have another podcast where we're not just talking about a book. No? Sure. Yeah, sure. So think about it. What should we'll we figure talk it about? out. Menopause? Are you going through menopause? <laughs> not yet. But Lucky. I'm not yet either, but I am. <laughs> I got one foot in the grave, the other on the banana peel. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm slippy, 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 right on in there. Um, I don't know. Think about it. Let's think about something else we can talk about. I'll well, think about it too. Maybe people okay. can comment on your instagram oh. or email you look at you you know what they would like to know. <laughs> <laughs> okay anybody have any suggestions for what kathy cures and i can talk about you can email me or you can dm me on instagram leanne kreischer is my instagram handle um anyway thank you ladies thank you thank you i think that we should get